I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 111. Make a wish. Uh-huh. One, one. One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Numbers again. Fuck <laughs> Starting this episode off right. Well, it is the quarantine, so it's like, what day is it? What year is it? I know. I know. It's like when you take too long of a nap and you wake up and you're like, I'm late for the bus. Yes. And you're like, oh, wait, I'm 35. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate on a Saturday, like when you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm late for work. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like my body, jil- like it's just like my back hurts because I jump out of bed, you know? Legit, last Saturday, I woke up and I asked Chloe, wait, what's today? Because I wasn't sure. Like, do I have to get up right now? Oh, I hate that. Because, you know, once I'm up, I'm up. Uh Uh-huh. Not me. (laughs) Once I'm up, I can go back to sleep. Yeah, you're five more minutes. On your fucking tombstone, it'll be five more minutes. You're not wrong. This bitch will be like, uh, give me one and a half more minutes. Like, damn. (laughs) Because I know the exact minute that I have to get up... On each individual day, based on, like, what traffic's like and all that, to know. (laughs) And do I have to wash my hair? Mm, Maybe I won't wear makeup today. Like, I know to the minute when I have to wake up. All right. I watched a whole series on Netflix, and it is so cute. It's like one of those coming-of-age story things, Mm -hmm. you know, that I fucking love. Like, If it's it's meant for teenagers... (laughs) Donna and I are going to fucking love it. Yes. Yes. Well, it's called Never Have I Ever. And it's by Mindy Kaling. hmm And she's so witty. And I just love that she's very all-inclusive and everything. So, like, you can see yourself in the characters. Yeah. And it's not just, like, cookie-cutter yeah. kind of things, you know? But, oh, my God, it was so cute. And by the end of it, I was like, wait, that's... The end? Like... Oh, is it going to keep going? I hope so. Like, it was kind of a cliffhanger. But it was good. Like, very predictable. I'm not saying, like, if you want to watch this and you're going to, like, have to solve shit. Like, I mean, it's like, you know what's behind door number one, two, three, what's exit in stage right, all the things. Yeah. You know. But that's what's fun about it. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, we're still watching Ozark. Are you on the second season yet? Yes. Everybody, like, I'm always so opposite. Like, some people are like, oh, I couldn't get into it. The first season was so slow. But, no, I was hooked from the jump. But the second season, I'm like, okay, what, you know, move on a little bit. Like, yeah. it's starting to get a little slow to me. But it's like, as soon as you're like, oh, okay, it's slow. Like, boom, something happens, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like... Right now where I'm at, you know how, like, Breaking Bad should have really ended, like, season five, but they did two more mm-hmm. seasons? Right now, this feels like those two more seasons. Yeah. You know, where it's like, it's still good, and shit still happens, but it needs to be a little faster. Yeah. That's how I felt when I would watch The Walking Dead. Like, if nothing big happened, or, like, the storyline didn't move forward mm-hmm. in some way, if it was just, like, a filler episode. Yeah. Because you knew something big was going to happen or something big just happened, so they had to have a filler episode. Yeah. Because you, know, you can't have it. huge things every – it's like, yes. okay, that's not real life. Yeah. But I'm like – Even though zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> – but it was just, like, so boring. And 
I never wanted to watch them. Like, yeah. those episodes, I'm like, eh, I could fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Like, eh, okay, a zombie's going to attack. Okay, cool, bye. Okay. You know, like, yeah. I want storyline. But I am, like, in it, though, okay. for Ozark. Like, if y'all aren't watching it, everybody's like, what's it about? I describe it as Breaking Bad, but instead of meth, it's money laundering. That's a good way of saying it. And it is so good. So y'all check it out. You know what else is so good? What? You know. Sugar cookies. Who the fuck is that? It says sugar cookies is the thing for that. Are they very nicely decorated? Because then I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, sugar cookies with like the thick icing. With like like an Instagram video. Uh-huh. I, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that yeah. is so good. No, but I was talking about Patreoners. Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Dodie D from Virginia. Katie S. from Missouri. Erica M. from Maryland. Anthony N. from New York. Camille C. from Georgia. And Linda S. from Illinois. Thank you all so much for joining Patreon. We know that times are tough. We hope that this extra content, though, is just a little extra to get you through. If you want an episode shout-out or all of the extra content, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, I've been on a kick of using people's recommendations from the Facebook group. Okay. So we're doing it again today because they do not disappoint. No. I mean, we've gotten some really good suggestions from people emailing the Facebook group, all the things. Yeah, the Creepsters know what's up. And while the one I'm going to do today is actually a pretty big story, I feel like, how the fuck did I not know it? But usually it's like some like obscure thing that I would have never fucking heard of, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, this story was recommended by Sean in the Facebook group, who always comes in clutch. Yeah. This is like, I think, maybe the third story that she has recommended for us. But she said that her husband wanted us to do this story. So tell your hubby, sit back, here we go. Oh, shit. Have you ever heard of a place called Skidmore, Missouri? I've heard of Skidmore, Texas, but no. I really thought you were going to make a joke about skid marks. Skid marks, too. Low-hanging fruit. I mean, I really was like, kind of held my breath, like, here we go. Mm-mm. Not held my breath, but, you know, like, I was like, okay, here it goes, you know. No one needs to hear that nastiness. So, this story has been in a lot of things. There was a docuseries on Sundance TV. It was like six parts. It's been on 60 Minutes, which I watched. It was so cool. Yes. You know when I hate hearing that tick, 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 tick? When I fucking court record Big Brother and that shit is on and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sorry, we didn't even finish it. But it's when Big Brother goes over. No. Football goes over. Yeah. And so it records 60 minutes in the spot of Big Brother and Big Brother recording doesn't extend and then you miss the fucking episode. Yes. And it's at the very end where you need to know all of your shit. Okay. It's almost like there's a curse on the town of Skidmore, Missouri. So there's one huge story that comes out of it that I'm going to tell, which could be like its own episode, but I'm going to tell it. But then there's, I'm going to very quickly tell some other things associated with it that probably could, some of those stories could each be their own episode. So it's going to, those stories are going to kind of not be super, super detailed, but it's like, you kind of have to tell it because fuck this town you know yeah well okay skidmore is not big like there's 
300, about 300 residents. It's, it's very, I it's, would a, yeah, it's a rural Missouri town. There's not even a police department. Like, it's just, it's very tiny. And in this town, there is a guy named Ken Rex McElroy. And we hate him. Well, I hate his last name because I know I can't say that right. Try. McElroy. There you go. Say it fast. McElroy. You got it. McElroy. 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 <laughs> McElroy. What if you end up like the love of your life and that's his last name? Donna McElroy. I'll just be Donna Mac. <laughs> but I just keep Elwin. <laughs> I'll just be D-Mac. What up, a D-Mac? Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> extra sauce. I was about to say extra sauce because you extra saucy. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, like I said, Ken, we don't like him. But here's a little bit about him. He was born in, like, 1934. The bulk of his story is, like, in 1981. So, just to kind of give you a time frame of where we are. But he dropped out of school, like, before he even got to high school. It's said that he was actually illiterate. And by the time he was 13, he was already very well known to police. Just, he just, again, his whole life was just petty crime, you know. Everything that you read and watch about Ken talks about how, as an adult, he was just like this big guy that used his size like as a presence and to intimidate people and all he was like six feet tall 270 pounds so what? like that's i feel like like i don't know when i think of like he's he's definitely not from the south <laughs> well you know and that's here's the thing though this was like 19 the story happened 1981 so people were smaller back then but like when i think of like a big intimidating guy i'm thinking or person period i'm thinking like six six, six yeah like yeah 390 pounds you yeah. know like i don't think I'm, but, a, I'm at least thinking six five like 300 pounds this also brings up something that annoys the shit out of me is that <laughs> size does not equal strength you know what I mean? I thought you were about to go with a different size, but okay. No, but you know what I mean? Like, just because somebody's big doesn't mean they're strong. Just because somebody's tiny doesn't mean they're not strong. Oh, yeah, You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, I get it. You've had that in the workplace. Yeah, because it's like, because I've had, like, students that are with me before, and they'll be, like, these, like, little tiny, you know, 20-something-year-olds, and patients would want me to transfer them, not them, because... I'm big, ergo, I'm strong. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I am, but (laughs) that doesn't mean they're not. And you know what I mean? Well, anyway, Ken's whole thing was intimidation. Like, he was going to do everything he can to get what he wants. And in the town of Skidmore, Ken was really the town bully. Like, he intimidated people. He would, like, stalk people, you know, do everything he could to get what he wanted. So, like, if he wanted somebody to do something, he would sit outside of their house at night, like, in his truck with a gun. And, like, get out every so often and, like, fired in the air. Stuff like that to intimidate him. Who is he, Gaston? <laughs> I mean, does that not sound like him? Yes. 
Well, he was such a fucker that, like, even law enforcement was scared of him. Like, there was no stopping him in this town. Because even if somebody would report him for something or anything like that, he would use all of his intimidation tactics and they would withdraw their complaint. And, you know, he would even steal people's livestock. Like, he wanted a cow, he'd go take it off of somebody's land. A hog, go take it. He would go take barrels of gasoline off of people's property that they use to fill up their farm equipment. Because it's all farm, it's like all farmland out there. Wow. It's said that when people would be walking down the street and they would see Ken McElroy, like they would like kind of go the other way to avoid him, especially if they had young daughters. I <gasps> uh, hate him. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, he was a womanizer and preferred young women. He had been married, I think, four times. He had 15 children. 15? Yes. And his last wife, Trina, he had actually gotten her pregnant. She was 15 years old. And, okay, so what he would do to kind of like groom Trina would be he would follow her school bus. Her school bus. Her, that's how young she was. Yes. He would follow her school bus and then stop it and make, like, Trina get off. And it's like everybody fucking knew, you know? Wow. And no one did anything to stop it. No. Her parents knew. Obviously, she knew. The bus driver. The bus driver, the kids, the kids' parents. Everybody fucking knew. Well, he eventually got arrested because, listen to this. They finally were going to, like, her parents and all were going to press charges against him well to get her parents to not press the charges he burned down their house holy shit yes so he was eventually indicted and he was arrested for arson assault and statutory rape so you know they booked him all the things and then they let him out on a $2,500 bail mm, oh god trina and the baby were put in foster care and he would sit outside of the foster home in his car, and he told the foster parents that he would trade girl for girl because he said that in order to get Trina back, he would trade Trina for their daughter because he knew the bus route of the foster parents' biological child. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, here's the thing. He fucking got out of all of it. He forced Trina to marry him, and she's so young, like, made the parents sign over her to marry him, because, again, she's so fucking young. I mean, what, you going to say no? He fucking burn your house down. Right. You know? And so this is, well, and he did it so that Trina couldn't testify against him. So, attorneys, if you're listening, hit me up and tell me, because I thought, like, okay, yeah, husband and wife communication is privileged, but I thought that just meant like they can't compel you to testify, but you can if you want to. That's what I thought too. So I don't really know. Well, not long after that, so that all that with training was back in 1973. 1976, 
Well, see, and all of that, that's when, like, vigilante justice for me. And I know, like, that's not... Right. It's not right. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Don't do it. Don't kill people. Yes. And I'm not even talking about killing, because apparently I like to torture people. I was about to say, what, you talking about tarring and feathering him? (laughs) But... You know what I mean? Because, like, no one can handle him. No one can stop him. Yeah. And, like, he has, like, the town's children. Well, the town's children are not safe. You're right. Well, okay. So, in 1976, Ken McElroy was on this other farmer's land. And he was, like, shooting his gun, doing just bullshit he shouldn't have been fucking doing on this guy's land. His name was Romaine Henry. Well, he tried to run Ken off, like, get the fuck off my land, shooting your gun, like, what the fuck are you doing kind of thing. And nobody fucking stands up to Ken. So, what does he do? He shoots the farmer in the stomach twice with a shotgun. Holy shit. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, luckily, the farmer lived. Okay. And Ken got charged with assault with intent to kill. Well, he's like, well, I wasn't there. I didn't do it. Romaine Henry, the farmer who was shot, testified against him. There were witnesses that testified that they saw Ken on the road by his land. But then Ken had two people who were like his, that he, I'm sure he, you know, gently encouraged them to testify Mm -hmm. for this. But said that they were actually like raccoon hunting with Ken at the time. They weren't. Well, he was acquitted. Are you fucking kidding me? And, you know, Henry was like, I think I fucking know who shot me. Yeah. Mm -mm. He was acquitted. And it was a shotgun, so it's not like it was a fucking sniper. No, because you know what? He intimidated and threatened the jurors. Why didn't they get, it like, an outside jury? Because it's 1976. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's just because... God! Oh! Yeah. Yeah. He would, like, intimidate the jurors. So, now we're going to flash forward to 1980. There's a grocery store in town, and it's owned by Ernest Bowenkamp. He goes by Bo and his wife, Lois. Well, at the grocery store one day, the cashier, her name is Evelyn Summy. She was, you know, working the cash register, and there were some kids in there, and Evelyn thought that one of the kids had stolen some candy. And so she's like, you know, hey, did you did you pay for that candy? Did you, you know, questions, um, you know, just doing her job, being like, hey, did you pay for that? Yeah. Well, that kid was one of Ken McElroy's kids. Oh, fuck. One of the 15? Mm-hmm. Of course it was one of his. Uh huh. So the kid went and snitched to well their dad. No, went and snitched to Trina. Oh, the mom. Yeah. So one of the kids went and told Trina. I mean, because the kid was four. I mean, it was a little kid, you know. But it's like whatever, and it's like penny candy. Like it's fucking cheap. Like it's it's so inconsequential. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But don't steal. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, but it just, it was blown way out of proportion. Yeah. So Trina, like, loses her shit about it. I don't know. She'd been hanging out with Ken too long. She bursts in the store, is like, 
you know, you accuse my daughter of stealing, blah, 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 blah. And the poor cashier is like, no, 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 no. Like, this was just a misunderstanding. Like, nobody accused your daughter of stealing. It just, we, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal. Chill the fuck out kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And Trina's like, why would my effing daughter lie? Blah, 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 blah. So they all eventually leave the store. And that night when Bo was closing the store, guess who was waiting outside? Mm-hmm. Motherfucking Ken. Mm-hmm. Old Ken. Well, Bo and Lois are like, we're not fucking arguing about this. Like, they just, you know, ignored him, went home. Well, he shows up at their house. And Trina's with him at this point. Wow. And so Evelyn, the cashier that was working, lived across the street from Bo and Lois. And just so happens to do that. Like, of course, mm -hmm. that's their luck. Well... So, Ken McElroy, like, is parked outside the house. He makes sure that Evelyn can see him, makes sure that they can see him. He does his whole shtick of, like, gets out, shoots his gun in the air. You know, everything he could do to intimidate them. Mm -hmm. Well, one day, Ken McElroy comes up to the grocery store. And this time, he has his gun with him. So, he starts threatening Bo. And Bo's like... Just, like, move the fuck on kind of thing. Like, kind of stood up to him. Well, Kent pulls his gun on him and, like, you know, got it pointed right at his face. And at, at the very last minute, Bo, like, jukes to the left and the bullet grazes his neck. Oh, my God. So, instead of, like, hitting his fucking carotid artery and killing him... It just grazes him. Wow. As soon as he shot him, Ken McElroy fucking takes off. And he starts hitting the road, right? Well. Like out. Like out, out of town. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, there's not like a police force in the town. So it goes to the state like highway patrol. Well, there's this one trooper. His name is Richard Stratton. And he's like one of the only people to ever stand up. To Ken McElroy. And so he hunts him down because he, he knows the area so well. He knows which direction Ken's probably going to take to go up to get out of the state. So okay. he goes that way and like cuts him, off. cuts him off at the pass and arrests him for attempted murder. Well, he spends a night in jail. And the next day, they let him out on fucking bond. Why do they keep letting him out on bond? I don't know. He is a town bully. I know. Because he has this attorney that, like, Ken McElroy would boast that his attorney was the attorney for, like, the Kansas City mob. This is very Ozarks, right? Mm -hmm. So so he was, like, an attorney for the mob. And so he would, like, get him out of all this stuff. Because, again, they were shady as shit and they would threaten people and I'm sure they had shit on people. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it was like months before the trial. You know, you know how it works. And Bo's daughter was quoted saying, there were so many nights dad couldn't go out and mow the yard or water the flowers because there was a truck parked down the street and they were watching the house. Oh my gosh. She said, McElroy would just sit and glower at you, just stare at you and you'd never know what he was thinking. So, it said that Ken McElroy would actually pay kids for information on, like, who was in town and where. So, the Bowen camps started doing the same thing. 
they would get people to be like, okay. So there was like this tavern. It was called D&G Tavern. Okay. Ken's at D&G Tavern, blah, 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 blah. This is one example I found. It said that one of the owners of the D&G Tavern would actually send her kid to the grocery store to get paper towels. And the kids didn't know that they were telling mm. the Bowen camps that, hey, Ken's down here. He's pretty, fu- pretty fucking belligerent. You should probably go ahead and call police. So, like, they, the town looked out for each other. Yeah. Because they were all so scared of him. Well, there was this guy. His name was Dave Dunbar. So, remember, I said there was no law enforcement in the area. And things were very, very heated. And so, they put a town marshal in place. And that's who he was, Dave Dunbar. Well, remember Evelyn, the, mm-hmm. the cashier? She begged the town marshal, like, please talk to him. Like, I can't do anything. He's watching me. He's all the things. Well, when he went to talk to McElroy, to Ken, Ken pulled a fucking gun on this t- marshal. Oh, my gosh. So, Marshall calls the sheriff's department. It's like, hey, I need backup. Like, he's pulling a gun on me, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, mm, nah. You need to just, like, talk him down and, mm, no, wow. we're not coming. Wow. So he quit that day. He was like, I'm fucking out. If you're not going to help me, like, I'm not going to die. Yeah. You know? Well, longer story short, all of the county prosecutors and stuff would quit, too, and, like, wouldn't wouldn't have anything to do with this. Wow. So there was a guy who, he was, like, Three years out of law school, he was a legal aid attorney, and they made him the prosecutor on this case because nobody would fucking do it. His name was David Bayard. So David fucking, like, it was legit like a David and Goliath type thing, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, it just, he had so little experience. He was going up against this attorney who is said to be the attorney for the fucking mob, going against the town bully who threatens yeah. jurors and police officers and, you know, all the things. Well, he finally got his day in court and they convicted him. They convicted him of second degree assault. That came with a two year prison sentence. After he was, like, found guilty before the sentencing, the judge let him out on bond. What the fuck? Who is convicted? Like, it's not, like, I know, like, okay, of course, the only thing I can think of is because, hello, you know, I love Real Housewives. But, like, when Teresa Judice and Joe Judice were. Judice. Judice, depending, again, how fancy they want to be. Yeah. When they were convicted. They got to go to jail at different times, so their mm-hmm. kids, ha- you know. So I know it's not like all charges. It's like boom, put handcuffs on you, you go straight to jail. But I mean, this is their opportunity. Second degree assault, like that's a violent offense. Like yes. the other was like fraud and stuff. Mm-hmm. Still terrible, but not a fucking violent offense. Yes, and he's the fucking town bully. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck he had on that judge, but and the. Judge in the town's got bloodstains on his hands. Sure does. Because he got bonded out. And the people of town got together because they're like, okay, like, how do we protect each other? Because he's going to come after Bo and his family. You know, what do we do? Well, while they're 
you know, all at the American Legion trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Somebody calls and says that Ken and Trina were in town and they were heading up to D&G, the tavern, which is right up. I mean, like right up the road from the Legion Hall where they were because somebody had told Ken there were a bunch of people getting together talking about him. So he wants to make his presence known mm-hmm. to be like, uh, I fucking see you, right? Yeah, he's the ultimate peacock. Mm-hmm. So he and Trina end up leaving D&G, get in the truck, and, like, the people come out to, like, you know, see him, all the things, and he gets in the truck he lights a cigarette, and someone shoots him in the head. <gasps> Vigilante justice. Uh-huh. Nobody called for an ambulance. Everybody just went home. There were, some stuff says 40 people. Some stuff says even over maybe from 65 to maybe even 80 people in the area. And no one was ever convicted. mm Every that whole fucking town kept their mouth shut. Hell yeah. And no one has ever even been indicted for it. Could I write this? Because I was calling for this. Yes. I mean, again, it's not right to kill people. I am just saying there's no way that they were gonna hold him ever. I know. Because two years in jail, okay. You're just going to fucking, that's like putting a raging bull. Yeah, but he's not even going to serve the two years. Yeah, no, no, of course he's not. And all it does is literally you're poking the bear. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like. And he gets more connections in jail uh and everything else. So, like, it only makes him more powerful Mm -hmm. for two years. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff talks about how, like, justice failed everybody. Yeah. I wonder who killed him. I mean, there's obviously a couple of people that they they think mm-hmm. did it, but and and some of them have died since then. And I mean, if it was them, it went with them to the grave, and nobody's talking. Wow. Well, tragedy brings community together. So, a couple of more just terrible things that have happened in this town. I'm going to go through these quickly because I know this has been a long story. But just to this, okay, you have to remember, like I said, there's like max 500 people in this town. You know what I mean? So think about all the shit that happened around Ken McElroy, okay? Then in 2000, a lady by the name of Wendy Gillenwater was brutally murdered by her boyfriend. It's said that she was stomped to death (gasps) by him. Ooh. But... Do you remember? I used this resource last week, and I freaking love it. It's it's Medium is the name uh-huh. of the website. Okay. Yeah. Fucking, this, these people are amazing. Thank you. The hello, new favorite resource. Yeah. But they said that internet sleuths have actually found evidence that she was dragged around the town hanging from his car. Oh, my God. That's like the... Like burning in Mississippi or something like that? Do they do that? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like that hate crime. Yes. So, Greg Drago is who did it. He's getting a life sentence. Then, in 2004, Bobby Joe Stennett, she was 24. Her mom found her and called 911 and said it looks like her daughter's stomach exploded. Well, what happened was 
a woman by the name of Lisa Montgomery had been lying that she was pregnant and killed Bobby Joe and took the baby out of her out of her womb. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she like long story short about that, she pretended like she was um, a dog breeder and was going to sell the dog to her and she attacked her. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. When this was written, Lisa Montgomery was g- is scheduled to be the third woman in American history to be executed by the federal government. Wow. Yeah, that's fucking brutal. Yeah, and there's so much more to that story, like, about Lisa Montgomery, like, her childhood, like, it, that, that could be a whole episode. Then... Another strange thing, and I'll, I think I'm going to wrap up with this because it goes, there's there's literally so much more that I'm not even touching that goes back to like the 1800s. But on April 11th, 2001. Oh, I wonder why you chose that one. Bobby Joe, who we just talked about that had died, her cousin, Branson Perry, disappeared. So he's 20 years old. And... He's at his dad's house with his girlfriend. His dad was in the hospital and had been for a couple of days. So he and his girlfriend were over at his dad's house cleaning things up for his dad to come home. And he went outside to put some jumper cables in the garage. And their garage was not attached to the house. You know how like it'll be like a couple Mm -hmm. of feet away or whatever. So he goes outside to put these jumper cables in the garage and vanished. Whoa. Like... He and his girlfriend in the middle of cleaning this house, and he's gone. So, no one saw anything. There were two other men working on the property, and neither one of them saw anything. Wow. There were no leads, no clues. The jumper cables weren't even there until they found two weeks later, just boop, there are the jumper cables. I mean, very making a murderer style, just right in plain sight. Wow. They looked everywhere and they found nothing. Some of the theories that are like, mm-hmm. okay, question mark. It said that he had started dabbling in drugs a little bit. So maybe he had gotten in some debt with some people. His dad said that a few weeks before that, the neighbor, a guy named Jason Bierman, had drugged and assaulted Branson. So they're thinking that, you know, his dad said he was very, like, angry, but also humiliated by it. So he yeah. may have left town. Huh. Well, then they're thinking that, okay, it could have been this this minister. His name was Jack Wayne Roberts. He was arrested in 2003 because he tried to do like an amateur sex reassignment surgery on somebody in a hotel room. What the fuck? Yes. And he had all this child porn on his thing. Oh my God. Yes. And so he was arrested. And so like, but some of the, like, so that minister, they also found like where he had written all of this very like graphic stuff about extreme sexual assaults on these message boards. And that some of it was, like about a hitchhiker that was very similar to Branson. And so they're like, did he get caught up and, you know, he was hitchhiking and this guy picked him up and then somehow yeah, he ended up, you know, and then they even found 
a necklace at that guy's house that looked like Branson's. So, who the fuck knows? Wow. Yeah, so that's just like, again, this has been a very long story, but that is just a drop in the bucket of the shit that has happened in this tiny town. Skinmore, Missouri. Who knew? Wow. That was a wild story. Isn't it? Like, when I was doing this, I was like, ooh, I could do that one as a milk carton mini in the, you know, for Patreon. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, I could do that as a bonus episode. Ooh, I I'm like, no, I just got to tell it all in the main one. Yeah. Because it's just too much. Yes. And I'm telling you, I had another solid probably three pages of other shit that I didn't even tell. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> right? Well, glad I don't live there and not going to relocate. I know, I was thinking because it was talking about like how abandoned it was. And I was like, oh, I bet the uh, land's really cheap up there. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could afford it anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, my gosh. I know. Isn't that crazy? Well, I hate to say this, but I'm glad he got his in the end. <laughs> I knew you were going to feel that way. But we do not advocate vigilante justice. No, we don't. But in that situation, it really is like... It, it truly was like it was the only thing that stopped him. Yeah. They'd been failed on every single front of our justice system. Yeah. Police, state and local, prosecutors, judges, juries, like mm-hmm. literally everybody. Yeah. They only had each other. Yeah. And they fucking circled the wagons and protected one another. Thank you so much, Sean, for that recommendation. Whew. I can't wait to hear what you got in store for us now. Well, shit. <laughs> Didn't know I was going to follow that one up. <laughs> so I am also doing a story that was recommended in the Facebook group by a creepster. Her name is Marianne H. And she said the place that I'm doing is about five minutes from her house, but she's too scared to go. <gasps> Yeah, so I mean, um, hello, have to do it. So this is going to be a little bit different because when I was looking, like researching, I found that the house I'm talking about, it was featured on Paranormal Survivor Season 3, Episode 10, and it's called Home Possession. So already. Right. Sounds amazing. Very American Horror Story adjacent. Right. So I'm going to cover a specific story But I'm going to sprinkle some facts that I found as well, and then some more information that wasn't on the episode. And I got some of these tidbits from an interview that Paratalk Radio did with Lillian on YouTube. And you'll find out who Lillian is in a minute. The house owner, the caretaker, the maid, the ghost. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the house I'm talking about is known as the Burgeon House, and it's in Burgeon, New York. The lady I'm going to talk about is Kathy Heglin, main character. Kathy's parents bought the house in the mid-1950s. It's way out in the country, away from the road. The property is like 1.8 acres. And in New York, I feel like that's a big plot of land. But apparently, I always think of New York as being always city stuff. Also, Illinois, Because when we were driving through there, I was like, this is like more farms than Mississippi. And Carrie was like, 
Yeah. I was like, I had no idea. I, always, I thought it was like a lot of cities. Mm-mm-mm. Uncultured swine here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry. I just live in the United States. Know nothing about the States. But what I do know is that the Burgeon House was built in 1858, and it's located next to the Burgeon Byron Swamp, which is over 10,000 years old. And it's now protected by the state. The property is thought to be one of the last properties owned by Native Americans before they were forced to go to reservations. Wow. Yeah. And that swamp It's local legend that witches would gather there and at the nearby railroad tracks for their rituals and ceremonies. And also, just some other history, the Underground Railroad operated closely by, and so it's documented that some people would run and chase the escaped slaves across the property and then hang them in the trees on the edge of the property. Oh, my God. So this... 1.8 acres has so much trauma already. Well, they lived there for about 10 years before Kathy was born. And in that time, Lillian, the mother of the family, kept a journal and would document when strange things happened. And it would be things like, today the lights flickered constantly, or the cabinet doors kept opening. I felt someone behind me. Those kind of normal haunts, if you will. Well, when Kathy was about two years old, she had her first experience that she can remember with the paranormal. She was in her crib and in her room. Then three people walked into her bedroom, a woman and two men. She said even though she was small, she knew that she did not know them, and they were not dressed in present-day clothes. The men each had suits on, and the woman had a pillbox hat with a small veil on it, and she was in a suit as well. She said that she was so confused, but she knew that they were talking about her. But why were they in her room? Like, who are these people? And she said it seemed like two of them were angry, and they didn't like her. But then one of them stopped whatever bad deed that they were going to do, and they just left. And... That's it. That's a lot of fucking detail for a two-year-old to remember. Yes. Three people, all in suits, a fucking pillbox hat. Well, obviously she didn't know what it was at the time, but if it's something weird like that, I would remember that. You would too. A two-year-old does not remember that kind of detail. You do? Not at two years old. What, when's your first memory? When I was just before two, and this is all I remember. Listen, mm-hmm. though. Being in a really tall bed, it was white, and it was like I was at the doctor. That's all I remember. I just remember the bed being really tall, but to a two-year-old, I mean, I was on like an exam bed, you know? Yeah. That's it. Well, that was before two. So if you would have been there after two, you might have remembered And if there was a weird nurse behind you that had, like, a dated nurse outfit on. But you wouldn't know it's dated as a two-year-old. No, but I'm thinking, of course, as a two-year-old, she's not thinking, this is weird. Looking back on it, she's like, that's weird. But it would have to be an odd enough detail that it would have stood out. So it, But it wouldn't be odd because a two-year-old wouldn't know those clothes were odd. I don't know. I don't think she would know. I don't buy it. 
I have no idea. I mean, maybe if she was like five or six, cool. Uh, but I don't buy it. Two years old, nah. Another time when Kathy was about three or four, so maybe Carrie will believe that she remembered this time, she was playing by a big mud puddle. Fake. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Near the house. And her mama kept telling her to get away and keep away because there were bees nearby and she didn't want her to get stung. Well, Kathy didn't listen. But about that time, Kathy was picked up by a Native American man and physically moved from the puddle. And Lillian didn't see it, but Kathy told her mom after that a Native American had helped her. And remember, this was property that was Native American land Mm -hmm. before. So fast forward to when Kathy is like seven or eight, and she woke up having a creepy feeling that something was in the room with her. Well, you know, you kind of like prairie dog, like lift your head and Mm -hmm. look around a little bit, you know? Well, that's what she did. But then when she looked over to her dresser, she saw a baby doll that was sitting on it stand up. Oh, uh uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And then start to walk towards her on the dresser. Nope. Mm -mm. They're not supposed to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was laughing this creepy little laugh. So naturally, Kathy yelled for her dad, and he rushed in. Well, when he got to the room, the doll was still standing. So he was confused as well, but he went to gather the doll up and his hand hit like an invisible force field. And it felt like it was cramping up, like he was having muscle spasms. So he looked around, found a book and was able to use the book to knock the doll off the dresser, then pick it up. Then he took it with him and he was like, I'll take care of this. So, you know, he probably burned it. Yeah. One Saturday morning, Kathy was laying on her bed and how she was laying, she was facing her closet area And all of a sudden, the door opened, and a man walked out. Uh Uh-uh. He came towards the head of the bed and just leaned on the bed, like crossed his arms and laid his chin on his arms, just staring at Kathy, who was frozen in fear. She was laying there, and all she could do was, like, she managed to pull her covers up, like, to her chin, like, A little throw blanket she had Mm -hmm. over her. She pulled it up to her chin. That's what she could do and just stare back at him. Well, then she just started to feel nauseous. And she started to dry heave and everything. And she was just overcome with sickness. And when she started to get sick, he stood up, walked back to the closet, closed the door. And Kathy said she could hear the metal coat hangers move Like, he was, like, moving in there. Oh, my God. Then one night, Kathy was very cold. Like, bone-chilling cold. And she heard growling coming from the corner of the room. And then, all of a sudden, she was being lifted off the bed by an unknown force. And she was just levitating there in the air, blankets and all, for several minutes. She was screaming, and finally her dad heard her, ran up, and when he saw her in midair, she began to lower and then fell back on the bed. He scooped her up, but her body was hurting everywhere. So they looked her over, and she had bruising showing up all over her body, Mm. and it lasted days. But still, even with all of this and Kathy's constant begging, her parents refused to sell the house. They refused to be ran out of 
their house by whatever this was. I mean, this was their home. This was their land. And even like her father has seen this weird stuff. He just didn't really believe it all in it, like in a sense, like it was kind of like, honestly, it was like it was happening to other people and not to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, well, it's probably a little bit of like self-preservation, you know, like, yeah. well, it's not that bad kind mm-hmm. of thing, because again, they probably had sunk all their money into this house. And what if it didn't sell, you know? Yeah. It wasn't only their family that saw things. They had a son, and his high school friend was over, and he saw a woman walk through the kitchen, through the wall, through a closed door, and disappear. And so throughout her whole childhood, Kathy was tortured by the paranormal. Some were like the instances I just talked about. Others were more benign, like when she was asleep on the couch and she saw someone she thought was her dad coming up from the basement at around 5 a.m. and leaving for work. So she said goodbye to him, but then never heard his car start. And so she's like, well, that's weird. He should be gone, you know. Probably wanted to do something bad, too. That's probably why she was mm-hmm. laying down there like, okay, let me make sure he's out of the house. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a single boyfriend in. Mm-hmm. Well, she looked out the window and there was no car. He had been long gone. And so she had no idea who she had said goodbye to. But it wasn't just a figure. It looked like her dad. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, there's movement. Bye. Yeah. And whatever. Like, no, she saw it. Yeah. And this isn't the only time a doppelganger type occurrence happened. One time, Kathy was upstairs and Lillian could hear her talking and she was puzzled because she was the only other person in the house who's Kathy talking to, you know, and she's up there fucking gabbing away. Mm -hmm. And this is before cell phones. So later when Kathy came down, Lillian asked her who she was talking to and she was like, I was talking to Donna. What? Uh Uh-huh. Her name was Donna. It's her sister. Her name was Donna. I was like... What? Okay. She was the best. Oh, was she? (laughs) But Lillian was like, no, honey, Donna isn't here. Mm -mm. But she was like, no, I was talking to her. Like, we were talking about school. Mm -mm. Wow. Finally, when she was 25, she got married and moved out for good. But she said it was such a relief to be away from that. However, the activity continued, and her father soon went to a nursing home, which left her mom all alone. So Kathy was like, nope, pack a bag. You're not staying here. So her mom finally agreed. So they go up, and they're opening one of the bedroom doors, and I think it was Kathy's bedroom, upstairs to get some luggage for her mom. And when they open the door, all of a sudden, they're met with a full-length body mirror like, coming at them. Oh, God. And before it gets to them, it just shatters everywhere on the ground. And they were like, nope. All right. They immediately ran down the stairs, out the doors, did not pass go, did not collect $200, and did not return. Wow. But Kathy's mom was like, I don't want another family to suffer like we have. And, like, it's obviously preying on our children and everything. So she refused to sell the house. 
but they left it just how it was. She was like, the refrigerator was full of food, freezer full of food. Oh, God. Like, all the things, you know, just shoes. It, you know it had to be eerie. It's like, why do I always bring it back to a movie? But when on Titanic, when they're going down mm-hmm. and it's like sunken or whatever, but they're going and it's still like yes, all this stuff. It's just so eerie. And that's what I picture. Like It's like a time capsule. Yeah. That was never, t- I mean, obviously, time capsules <laughs> never touched, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And especially that, because that's like someone's private life. Mm-hmm. Well, the house was abandoned for four years. No one lived in it and, you know, everything. But then Kathy brought in a paranormal investigator named Ted Vanson and his team. And she was kind of seeking validation and answers to, like, who the spirits were. Why were they here? Because even though they weren't actively being haunted anymore, they still were with all the unknowing. So Ted said that the house was immediately heavy, and it was so creepy because all of their stuff was still there. Like I said, it was like they just left, and it was unsettling. Him and his crew heard some creepy laughter rumbling up the halls, so they started in Kathy's room, and the broken mirror was still there on the floor. Wow. He said that when they first walked into the room, they could tell that the energy was very negative. And it felt like when magnets repel one another, you know, that's what it felt like when they opened Kathy's door to her room. Like, it just did not want them there and was pushing against them. Wow. So, of course, they start out with an EVP session asking who's there, telling the spirit that, They need to know who's there, what they are, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's silence. And then they heard a voice say, hello, darlings. And Ted said it sounded like a male spirit trying to be feminine, you know. And Mm -hmm. he was like, okay, what, you know. And then they heard growling. And then all of a sudden, there was something blacker than black. It crawled up the wall and latched onto the ceiling. And he said that he had never seen anything like that before or after. He didn't know what it was. It had like six legs, but it's all like a black mass. But he could make out six legs. It was growling and get, you know, all the things. But it was just right there on the ceiling. He was like, I don't know if that was my first demon. I don't know, but they were like rolling video and stuff. But of course it didn't get on the cameras Mm -hmm. or anything, of course, you know, but he was like, oh shit, (laughs) like this is legit. Okay. Our first room and like this happens. Well, Kathy now lives on the property with her family and she was interviewed by World Hop with Tej on YouTube And she was asked if she ever considered moving. And she was like, oh, yeah, I've moved several times. But every time there's something that happens and it brings me back to this place. Hmm. She didn't elaborate. But it's like in my head, I'm like, yeah, it draws you back. But I wonder, too, like if financially something gets set back or whatever and she has to go back, you know, to Mm -hmm. that because, well, like it might be paid for or You know, something like that. I don't know. 
But she has a different attitude towards the spirits now than when she first lived there. The first time she was scared and just, you know, uneducated in a way that made her vulnerable. But now she knows there's different spirits, some negative, but most are positive. And she said that she just has to remember that they were once people and they just want to communicate. Yeah. And she said, so they're just interacting with me. And when she thinks about it like that, it's like not so creepy. I know we like talk about that CoStar app all the time that mm-hmm. is like we use for horoscopes and all that, you know, your charts and all that. But you know what mine was today? Everyone deserves to be listened to and loved. Hmm. I feel like that kind of goes with that. Yeah. Like recognizing that they used to be people and that, you know, so like, are they doing all these things, like acting out to be seen, to be heard, so that you know they're there? Yeah. Well, mine said, you are your worst critic. I was like, tell me something I don't know, co-star. Durr. I mean, fucking, <laughs> you're your own peanut gallery. <laughs> yeah. But also, she's had a lot of education on the spirit world because of all the paranormal investigators and psychics and all of that stuff. So she's really come around and she's back home and finally feels at home there, too. So let's get into some of the ghosts' recent activity on the property. I will say that Kathy describes that there's different spirits. She said there's like a day shift and a night shift. During the day, the ghosts are like curious and playful. But at night, that's when things get darker. It's kind of like, duh. That's how like the world is usually. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But still, again, she has grown to understand the house. Yeah. There's these two portrait paintings on the wall in a room. And they're of two young blonde girls. And they both look sad. I think one actually has a tear. I'm not sure. They look like mournful. They look like they would be haunted. I'm like, (laughs) who saw those and said, ooh, let me buy those. It could be family members. I don't know, but they sad. Anyway, when Kathy was hanging up the artwork, the young girl with the bow in her Mm -hmm. hair, she smiled at her. Uh Uh-uh. And Kathy dropped the damn picture. But obviously it got hung up because... I'm seeing it hung up. Yeah. But, like, she literally turned her frown upside down. Uh-uh. One of the spirits on the property is thought to be of a young woman, and she's usually located in the barn area since that's where she died by suicide. She was pregnant, and her lover did not want anything to do with her or the baby after that, so she hanged herself. Oh. And she was a German girl, Her father had immigrated from Germany. Well, Kathy said that her son speaks fluent German. He's never had a formal lesson. What? Yeah. So her son has been talking to this spirit that Mm -hmm. hanged herself. Mm Mm-hmm. What? She saved money on Rosetta Stone. How much time did her fucking son spend out in the barn? They might not have privacy in the bathroom. Might be a one-bathroom house. I don't know. Damn. Damn. In that same barn, people say that they get the feeling of being underwater, like their head's in a bubble. Not that they can't breathe, but it's like a different kind of air. Just everything's muted. And also at night, you can hear what sounds like boots walking across the metal roof of the barn. 
Kathy said that she's had several psychics independently tell her that there was a serial killer who lived on the property at one time. And they would take children off the orphan train from the nearby tracks. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And those kids would never be seen again. And sadly, they weren't really missed. Again, serial killers really know how to target disenfranchised populations. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And in that barn on the property, a lot of people say that they witnessed children sitting crisscross applesauce in the loft area. And a lot of people say it's a boy and a girl, and they look like they're playing jacks. Yeah. Very old school. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of little children around in the house and on the property. And it's probably from... Those orphan trains. Mm-hmm. Oh. Kathy said one spirit that's come through is a little boy named Raymond Jahara from India. And they did a session, and he said that he was murdered by the German family who lived there, and that he was surrounded in the front of the barn, killed, and fed to the pigs. Oh, my God. Yeah. Pigs eat fucking anything, man. Yes. But damn, I do love bacon. Ew. I mean, I do too, but ew. I know. When you think about it, I'm like, ooh. I love sausage, too. We know you do. (laughs) Karina, the mother-in-law of the German family, is another spirit, and she stayed there after her husband passed. And once during an investigation, Karina happened to be in the same bedroom that all the investigators were in, and every time Kathy approached the door, Karina started to sing a lullaby. If Kathy left, she'd stop. When Kathy would come back, she would start it again, you know, and it happened several times, like four times. And so the investigators asked if she knew who Kathy was, and she said, yes, it's the baby. And So that's who saved her. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow. In the same bedroom, Kathy said that you'll be sleeping at night and you'll feel the bed be bumped continually. And it's kind of like someone's standing... At the bottom and, like, bumming it with their knee, Mm -hmm. you know? Which would be so fucking annoying. Right. Well, when you wake up, you'll see a black mass at the end of the bed. Oh, uh uh-uh. Yeah, it wants to wake you up and talk to you. Oh, my God. You know how I feel about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't fuck with my sleep. (laughs) Also, at this point in the YouTube video that I was watching with that World with Tej thing... The person holding the camera asked what the name was again, Kareen, and Kathy corrected her to Karina, and she said it, and then an orb, like, got in the shot of the camera, and then she said some stuff in German, and nothing, and then she said, Karina, is that you? Are you in front of me? And then another orb happened. So take that for what you will, because we know orbs are usually dust or insects or whatever, But I had not seen anything like that until she said her name the first time, like when Kathy corrected her, you know, and Mm -hmm. it came up and like, it just like came up out of nothing, you know? Yeah. And then when she said, is that you in front of me? You know, and then it did it again. It was like, whoa. 
in another YouTube video, lots of walkthroughs and stuff. There was a psychic named Chelsea who was doing a walkthrough one time. And she entered the room and pointed to the closet and said, something's wrong. Did you move something? And Kathy had moved a bookshelf out of the closet and put it in another room recently. And Chelsea said, yep, I heard she moved my stuff. <gasps> and she said that the bed shook in here before, right? And she was like, yeah, because that's the one that she said that it'll be nudged at night. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's so crazy. Like that, I mean, instantly she went in there and was like, something's wrong. You moved something. Like, you know, and then yeah. it was just like, that bed shakes, right? And I'm like, holy fuck. In the living room, there's this male spirit that stays in there. And there's this video that Kathy has, and it's like a security footage, basically. And it's just, no one's in the living room. And there's this wooden chair off to the side, and her jacket is hung on the back. Well, it like moved down just a little bit and then was flung onto the floor. But like with force, it's not like it just like, oh, fell off by chance. No, like it was like whoosh, pulled. But no one's on camera. Upstairs in the house, a grumpy man and children are said to let their presence be known. And the man has been known to push people down the stairs or throw objects at people like a battery pack or anything like that that investigators have. And he really targets women because he doesn't like them. Well, why? I don't know. He's an incel. <laughs> the OG incel. Mm-hmm. The most negative energy is in the attic, and there's been claims of being pushed or even trapped by negative spirits up there, and the people from the YouTube video all experienced disorientation, feelings of dread, and was just like all around uncomfortable in the attic. There's also a closet in what they call the blue room. And Kathy and several investigators believe that there is a portal in that closet to the spirit world. How's that shit just get opened up? Girl, I don't know. The room belonged to Kathy's older sister, Linda, before. And she said the room just has, like, the air is dense. You know, it's just that thick, like, hard to breathe, mm -hmm. everything. And since it's a portal, there's several spirits going in and out all the time. So there's always activity going on. And Kathy recalls a time that she was in the room with her boyfriend, who later became her husband. And he was a skeptic and was like, there ain't no such things as ghosts. And Kathy's like, oh, shit, don't say that. They do not like that. You do not know what you're doing. And he just kept doing it because, you know, that's what young bucks do. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, who says Young Bucks? Apparently, I just did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is in my head, I was thinking, they think they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. So they were laying in bed watching a movie. This is before Netflix and chill. I was going to say they were, quote, watching a movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she said that you could hear something or someone come out of the closet, but you couldn't see anything. And then in that space between their heads and the headboard, so like right on the top of the mattress, like between the pillows and the headboard, you could feel someone slowly walking the whole length of the bed. And she said it wasn't like 
a foot was walking, not like heel toe. It was more like a boom, 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 like Bigfoot. <laughs> so it was more like a stomp, but it wasn't. It wasn't like an angry stomp. It was you know? a walk, but like the footfalls were like a stomp versus yeah. like a traditional heel toe. Yes, and she said it was heavy enough that like their heads would bounce, you know, with each each stomp. When the YouTube crew from the World Hop was recording in the closet, two of their cell phones stopped working. But when they left and went downstairs, they were able to record with them again. Like, no change in anything they were doing. It just worked. However, the lady asked if they were invading their privacy. And you could hear a little whimper as an answer. And she finished her question by saying, if so, I'm sorry. And she panned around the room just a little bit more. And then her camera on her phone just stopped working completely and the battery wasn't dead. She still had gigs of storage left. So there was no reason for her camera not to record. Like her phone was working. Yeah. Just the camera wouldn't record anymore. In the corner of Kathy's old childhood room, she said that when she was 14 or 15, it started and continued like every night there would be this man who would stand in a corner And after a while, she got brave and tried to talk to him. And it took her a while, obviously, to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. She saw him once, like, try to cover up her little sister with cover and, like, then go stand back in the corner. And so she asked him his name and he wouldn't give her her real name, but he said that she could call him Robert. And he said, as long as I stand here you'll be able to sleep because all the other spirits in the house are scared of me. What? Mm-hmm. So it was like he was her protector, you know, and in that crazy, like to think of like her being scared of this entity, but then it's actually protecting her. But it's so badass that all the other entities are afraid of it. I don't know. Maybe it's just like been there the longest. I don't know. But I want to end on a funny note. When I was watching the YouTube video of Chelsea doing the walkthrough, they were all up in the blue room and Kathy was sitting on a wooden futon's armrest and they were all talking and then there was this creak noise, you know, mm-hmm. and the cameraman was like, what was that? Because, you know, I mean, they're talking about a fucking portal and all yeah. this shit. And Kathy, like, pointed to the futon and she said, it's cracking under my big butt. <laughs> I was like, I feel you, Kathy. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> like, she just pointed. Mm, it's it's a wood. Yeah. Like, and What is this made of? Steel? Right. And she was the only one sitting. And I was like, Kathy, you are my whole mood. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, girl. Yes. Oh, but it was just so funny. It's like, also, that just made me love her more because she's so down to earth. And like, it's the same person in all of these interviews, all of these videos I watched, like same person. But it was so funny. And it was just like one of those moments of like, what's that noise? It was the furniture breaking under me. Like, you know, like she ain't putting on airs for anybody. No. And uh, that's what our investigation would be like. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> be like, did y'all catch anything uh, other than cramps? No. Right. 
a hernia from climbing those stairs. <laughs> they didn't have elevators back in the 1900s. <laughs> but that is all of that. But there's a lot of activity that goes on. And she's still learning about the history of the house. And, like, she works with other people to, you know, uncover more stuff about the house and everything. That's a lot of spirits in one place. Yeah. But also, it's like the house, but it's right next to the swamp. So it's water, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I swear to God, I'm never moving to a house that's right by water. I'm not doing it. Definitely not a fucking swamp. Well, definitely not. Well, I definitely like that story. I don't like the ghosts that fuck with your sleep. I know, I know. But sing me a lullaby, please. Please. Did you say that any of those ghosts play with hair? No. Okay, I'm out. (laughs) I would hate to see McElroy as a ghost. Oh, you know he is the worst. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Ugh. So much going on in such a small town. Yeah. It really is. I wonder what, like, if there's, like, tribal land or... Anything mm. about that that the town was built on or, like, Did, trauma like, like cursed that. it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's just like your house. hmm That's what's so scary about the past, though. Like, you never truly know what happened in the past. You don't know someone's past. You don't know, like, a house's past, really, all the time. You know, you have to dig and dig and dig. Thank God we have the internet, so that helps a lot. But even just dating, like... Mm, we talked about that last episode, like, how she didn't really know... She, I mean, she thought she was marrying, what was it, Todd Smith? Yeah. But that wasn't really his last name? Yeah. That's... It's so scary. And, like, he had this whole other life. Mm-hmm. And... Or can you imagine being those... This is so off the subject, but... Can you imagine being those people, those women or men who are like watching TV and America's Most Wanted comes on and they see the person that they live with or Mm-mm. whatever and they're like, wait, what? what? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, what do you do? How do you, like, honey? <laughs> like, you, you, def- you definitely don't tell them. I know. Like, is the popcorn ready? <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, and it's easy with stories like the Skidmore story to be like, well, this is what I would do, you know? Yeah. And to not be able to empathize with the people of the town. But like when you live in that fear every single day and you and your family and your livelihood and all of that are being threatened, like you can't, it's impossible to, Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. I couldn't do it. They're stronger than I am because I would have given in a lot quicker. I mean, just think about how we feel right now with the quarantine and stuff where we're like all itching to go out and Mm -hmm. do stuff, but we can't. And what if that was your life all the time because this guy might come and shoot up the place? Well, that is schools now, but... But you know what I mean? Like, this one guy who Mm -hmm. can take your daughter. 
And you can't do anything about it. Because the police won't even come. Yeah. Like, this one guy who can steal your car if he wants. And doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to get arrested. You know, and it's like, you can never just be safe. Even in your own fucking house. Yeah. Dude, yo, was in his own house. Like, the farm. And was like, get off my property and got shot. Yep. And nothing happened. He literally testified, Ken McElroy shot me, and they acquitted him. <laughs> They're like, hmm. Yeah, but there were snakes in my mailbox, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, y'all know we want to know what y'all think about both of these stories. Yes. Thank y'all again for the recommendations. Yeah, y'all keep them coming because they never disappoint. Just like all the shit y'all send in, including the sinister sightings. Hell yeah. So, you can send all that in to our email, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Or if you're in the Facebook group and you want to shoot us a recommendation, tag us in there too. Yeah, make sure to tag us though, because if you don't tag us, we might not see it. Yeah. Hopefully we are maybe just around the corner from being out of this quarantine pandemic business. Just around the river bend. So keep plugging along. Reach out for help if you need it. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.